Optimistic Tuesday on Blair and Barker. How about that? There we are. There we go. Phillies are in town for the first of two games tonight at the Rogers Center, followed by the Kansas City Royals. That'll take us up to the All-Star break. And uh, Kevin Barker, the Blue Jays are, to be polite, scuffling right now. How important is it for this team to hit the All-Star break? I'm not going to use the word momentum, but to hit the All-Star break. Let's say, what, six games? Go five and one this four and two over these six teams. How important is it? Don't say, don't put a number on it. Just say a playoff spot. One one of the playoff spot. One of the three playoff spots. I think that's pretty important. You know, again, I don't. They're tied right now with Seattle. They are. Tampa and Boston are ahead of them. Yeah. Okay. For me, I think it's. What did I say when I was reading that and I read it off to you? For me, I think Boston and Tampa Bay, with with the way you watch that team, uh, with the way their managers go about managing their teams, and we'll talk about that a little later. It just seems to me like they're a lock. Like, they, Boston's got some guys coming back that's going to help them on the pitching side. That offense for Boston, they're relentless. Like, they, they just do things offensively that other teams can't do. They're balanced. They have a superstar at third base. J.D. Martinez can hit really good pitching and drive in big-time runs. You need that in the middle of the order. And he protects the young guy. When he's a free swinging, it's okay for him to be a free swinging when that guy standing behind him is doing what he's doing. So for me, it's sort of a, a three-team race. That's Seattle, Toronto, and Cleveland. You know, I know Baltimore's a, a, been a good little story, so it's still Baltimore. So your goal for the Blue Jays then, <clears throat> pardon me, would be to be to hit to hit the All Star break, and you come out of the All Star break. I believe they play Boston coming out of the All Star break to hit the All Star break, and be. In one of those three in spots. One of those, in one of those spots. In one of those three spots. Yeah. Now, for, for me, I, I know Seattle just swept the Blue Jays. Can Seattle do this the next 75 games? You, see, I like, with that bullpen and that starting pitching, I don't see why not, Kevin. Maybe. I, maybe, I don't see why not. Maybe. I, I just think when you've had that dark cloud over you as long as Seattle has, it's down the stretch that's lurking. Like, there's a, that's a thing. It really is, and and can they get past that? For me, what I'm is gonna, the dark cloud? I, 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 not making the playoffs. Yeah, but just, of, it's sort of. But, but yeah, these guys, I, I just when, gonna, you, when you bring when you spend 115 million dollars bringing a starting pitcher to take you over the hump, but it's a thing. Like down the stretch, but, but the, those stretch runs, having a, a a center fielder who's young and trying to find his way. I know he's a really good player, and they have a good lineup. The first four guys in that lineup going to give you a battle. Yeah, the whole, I'm with you. But the whole thing about but the whole thing about history. I ask you a question. The, the whole next, thing about then, history doesn't matter. Those guys don't know the, the next, Mariners' history. I, I think it does. I think it does. When you bring in big time pitchers to take you over the hump, all of a sudden it's brought to your attention. End of story. I think that's. I ask you a question. I don't next think seventy-five baseball games, players long, think long that term, way. not short term. Yeah. You think Toronto's better than Seattle? Next uh, over long 70. term, not not the yes. the last yes. four games. That yes. they play. Okay, yes. that's just you just I answered do. your question. So, I do. So for me, it's a it's a three team race. But I think Seattle's I, better than the the Guardians. Okay, doesn't matter. And I wouldn't doesn't have put, matter if you finish. I wouldn't fourth. have put. I wouldn't have put. Uh, I wouldn't have put Seattle in the conversation three weeks ago. So you're putting them in the conversation now. Yeah. But you think the Blue Jays the are Blue better Jays, than Seattle yes, yes, long term? Yes. yes. Yes, yeah. Yes, I Especially do. Especially if Ross goes out and makes a couple of moves, and we have no idea what right those now, moves are. We, we've, we've said this at nauseum, uh, what he needs this. to do and how much he needs to do, and, and I'm sure they're working on it. I will say this. Right now, they're not better than Seattle. I've seen nothing to indicate this year that they're better than Seattle. I, I, I haven't. The, the bullpen's awful. Um, the lineup is... Yeah, I think the lineup's going to be fine. Yeah, I think that's, I, I, I I think think that's a bit strong. I, I will say this. I think that series would have went totally different if Kevin Gosman was throwing. 
I really do think it would a little went a little differently just because you could align people up, put people in other Castillo positions. Going, yeah. You would have put them in positions that they would have had a little bit better chance of succeeding and giving themselves a better chance to do better than exactly what they did. So I think that series would a little went a little bit differently. And again, it gets back to the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. thing. Vladdy's got to be an all-star the next 75 games. Like he's got to be not good, great. And can he do that? That that's the thing for me. I, I understand the pitching when we said that, and it's an obvious thing. But the one glaring thing for me: the consistency, the patience, the hunting, the hater, and when you get it, don't miss it. And that's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. for me. If he can do those things, and be an All Star, because he's an All Star, if he can be that the next seventy five games for the Toronto Blue Jays, I think that those three teams. Because I do really do, do believe Boston and Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's doing this and don't have all their. Their weapons, which is just amazing to me. But you don't know when they're going to get all those pitching weapons you, you back. Don't, but That's it, part but of the they're issue. good enough to make the playoffs. Is my well, point. What, we were, what you do when you get the playoffs? We were texting. Knows? We were texting last night during the Red Sox during the Red Sox Rays game because we we were both uh, we were both watching it. And yeah, you made it. You made an interesting point coming in today, and I hadn't heard this. But Sunday during the well, I'll let you say what David what what David Cohn said Sunday night because it, it it really got me thinking about because look Charlie Montoyo's Charlie Montoyo's job is a talking point right now in Toronto and yes you know, it's unfair and I I mean et cetera et cetera yada yada I, you know we can have an uh, argument uh, uh, we can have an argument about unfair, what role unfair strong what well, predictable expectations going into a season's high it's predictable but I think we look at this team and go regardless of who's managing the team, they're still going to be sending those relievers out. They're still going to be sending those relievers but out. But you could also seven, say they sh- with all that and said, yeah. they still shouldn't be three, only three games right. above five. But the point is this has brought Charlie's job mm-hmm. into greater scrutiny. And and look, and we said this year was about making the playoffs. Yeah, and if Charlie didn't make the playoffs this year, I don't think there's any way he comes back next year. Uh, no chance for me. But you made the point about something David Cohn said. And, and we saw it, I thought, yesterday watching, watching the, the Red Sox about Alex Cora. The Red Sox manager. Just yeah. tell me a little bit about that because we both, when you told, I mean, we talked about this a little bit before you we went in the air. And I want you yeah, to. Yeah, I, 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 I love David Cohn being on Sunday Night David Baseball. The, 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 the conversations he has, the insight that he has, the little things that he notices. And we, we, we you know, we've heard Alex Cora say things even when they're facing the Blue Jays, how he's attacking certain games, even, even in April. Well, like he's, he's having. I'll just tell the story to refresh people's mind. April 19th. Uh, the Red Sox are in Toronto, and this is their first trip north of the border. And of course, the uh, the COVID the COVID uh, border restrictions are very much an issue for Boston. They don't have a couple of guys. Tanner Houck isn't here. Uh, all that stuff. Boston wins two one, and after the game, Alex Cora says, "I managed," and he wasn't bragging, but he was asked about the mood of the team. He said, "Look, I managed that game like it was a playoff game because I went into the clubhouse." And, you know, the COVID-19 thing, it, it was, guys are talking about it. And mm-hmm. I just looked at this and I thought, I got I to gotta be a little more aggressive here. I got to be a little more aggressive today. And you know me, I've, I've been the guy that says, you know, what does a manager really bring in 2022? And and I don't think on, on every single team they bring a ton. Like, I, I'm going to say it like it is. I, I, I'm not sure they do. But in the Red Sox case, Alex Cora's case, you can just tell. And listen to David Cohn talk and, and listen to that telecast talk about certain parts of games where he was pinch hitting. And, and David Cohn's point was he's going for it. You know, it's a close game. 
Uh, the, Against the, the Yankees? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, it's just you, you, you have certain situations of games that probably other managers wouldn't be all in, sort of in certain parts of games where you sort of let it play out and see what happens. And Alex Cora just not seems just says he's got such a great feel for his team, the vibe around the team, the way the big boys are hitting. He talks about that all the time. You mm-hmm. listen, I, I love listening to good managers talk who takes notes. You ever notice that, Jeff? Like really good managers take notes. They peek down at their notes where they want Aaron the con- where they want the conversation yeah. to go. They lead it. They good get it started from the from people like you. <clears throat> so there, you'll have good follow up questions because they've sent you in that direction. I love it. And Alex Cora is one of those guys, and just his conversation about the vibe and, you know, the way his big three in the order, sometimes they'll be good, sometimes they'll be bad, and he'll sort of get you inside his mind of he's sort of feeding off the way that's going, the vibe of his team, the way the role players are acting, how some of the role players are doing, and he wants to get the most out of them while they're doing well. It's just little things like that. Mm -hmm. And to listen to David Cohn, that telecast, (laughs) talk about that. And, man, it's just – Maybe I was wrong about the the manager part of it, and no. and and I, I don't think it's I don't think it's that way with all it's, managers. But man, it really is that way with the Red Sox. Manager. It's funny because you've brought me around to your way of thinking with the manager. Yeah, you brought me around, and and largely because it's the manager isn't the be all and end all anymore in baseball, and the players know that because the agents know that the players know. Listen, the players see all the, the, the khakis, as you call them. The players know what's going on. They see all these people around the team. They know that there are a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Now, I want to say, but, before you keep going, I do want to say, it's not. I'm not saying that the manager means nothing because that's, no. not, that's not the case. You know, the, the for me, the biggest decision is when he goes gets the ball from the starter, who's that next guy? Yeah, because that, most good teams got it from the seventh and eighth inning. That's still. The ninth inning. But, but there's more. So there is there's some benefits more, of having some good managers. Yeah, there's more input into that decision Absolutely. than there was in the past. Absolutely. I don't think there's a manager out there who goes by gut feel anymore. But but well, this is fired. Th- this is my point. There there are there are managers who make a difference. And those are the guys who've won. You know, Bud Black's been managing forever. Bud Black's been managing forever. Does he have the going to say the jam does he have the 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 kind of the jam's a good word does he have the jam of an alex cora no and and part of the reason is because alex cora has managed world series winners yeah we can get into the whole thing with the red Sox and 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 the astros as such but alex cora has managed world series winners alex cora has managed in a big market there are some managers who i think can make a difference to the day-to-day life of the team. I'm, I'm with you. There's not as many as I used to think. Mm-hmm. There's not as many as I used to think. But there are still guys. I think Kevin Cash is one of those guys. I don't know if Kevin Cash would be as successful managing the New York Yankees as he is managing Tampa. They, there are fits. There are... There Kevin are, needs to be there are mani- Yeah, there the are Yankees, managerial so fits. Right. There are managerial mm-hmm. fits. And... and, and, and I mean, that's a thing we'll be interested in seeing, and I'm not going to turn this into pound and Charlie, but we'll, we'll, you know, that's I, I think that's still that's that's still a question. That's still a question, you know. And I I, I get asked every time I go on the morning show, I get asked this about Charlie because it was a couple of years ago. I said I just they asked me, is Charlie the guy that manages you through a playoff win? 
I said, I mean, I don't know. How last do you answer year? that without actually saying Last year? It. The end of Long last term. year? I thought, okay. I, I was impressed with the job he did last year, all things considered. I'm sure there was a ton of stuff going on with that team, all the moving and all that. Yeah. That, See, but, okay, let me flip but, it back around. But to I you. don't know. If now. Alex Cora was, on, was the Blue Jays manager, would the Blue Jays, in your mind, Forget about everybody, what everybody else thinks. If Alex Cora was the manager of the Blue Jays, do you think the Blue Jays would have more wins than they have right now? With the exact same team that the Blue Jays have? The same bullpen, the same right-handed dominant lineup, do you think he could change any of that? That's the question you got to ask yourself. Now, I'm not comparing the two managers, but I'm saying if you took that attitude and his knowledge of just the feel of his room, I think that that for me is the separate. You can listen to him talk. And just hear what goes into, you talk about gut. The reason why he moved Devers and the other two big-time hitters around, yeah. he felt gut. That was against the Braves that said it just makes more sense to get lefty, righty, and then the best but hitter coming up with, you've with also runners on remember. base so it's smart. That's like there's, so you, there's, a, there's a give and take but, there. Luke. But you've also got to remember, he is in one of those rare situations where he has more currency than his general manager. So I, he, I guess oh, he does. Red guess. Sox. I guess I Kime guess. Bloom. I mean, he inherited him. He didn't hire him. He inherited him. Alex Cora's got working. Alex Cora's got way more. Well, he's done it because it's one. He's working. one. No, he's one in Boston. Mm-hmm. So that's I, I. I don't know. Uh, you know, what would the Jays get a couple? I mean, he's still running out. I would have to go back and look at every single decision Charlie has made to you know, to, to, to come to that conclusion. And I think it's kind of a dangerous game because we look last year, the Jays missed the playoffs by one game. As far as I know, I'm the only person in the city that mentions the throwing error that Marcus Semyon made that cost them a game against the Detroit See, Tigers. I think that's more Vladdy's fault than Marcus Semyon. Whatever. But the point is, I mentioned that play. Mm-hmm. No one else mentioned, oh, Charlie lost them games and Charlie did this and all that. It, you have to be People careful. People forget about not blaming the players. Exactly. Mm. You have to be careful about it. And I guarantee you, if you go back and look at a lot of these losses, you can pull out a play that wasn't made. So, anyhow, it's uh, it's an interesting question. And it's... It yeah. is. And, and I didn't think, Kevin, I didn't think we'd be having that. I didn't think we'd be having that discussion on... July 12th. I ask you a question, serious question. I'm going I'm to put you on the spot a little bit. You think Charlie makes it to the end of the season? Huh. I had was not prepared for that question. I know. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. I don't know why. I'm going to say yes. I, I just, I, I don't. Firing John Gibbons was a relatively easy decision, or not bringing John Gibbons back was a relatively easy decision for this front office. The it, other it, guy's it guy. It really was. The other guy's guy. The other guy's guy. Mm-hmm. And and if you pushed Gibby up against the wall, he'd tell you that it's he, time to he knew the gig was up. Mm. Um, the team was going to go through changes anyhow. Sure. Uh, I I don't know, man. I don't I don't know if you know, this is a guy that Ross has given I mean, twice now they could have gotten rid of Charlie or could have moved on from Charlie, and they didn't. They picked up his option. Uh, but it's interesting because they never really – it's not like they gave him a three-year contract or a four-year contract. I, 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 I don't think – I'm just – no, I'm going to – could, this could come back to bite me hell. I don't know. He could be gone by the All-Star break. I don't know. But I don't think – I don't think 
I think Charlie's here to the end of the year. I think I might agree with you unless now I'm not, I have no idea about this unless behind closed doors that the team, that some of the guys that matter most on that team are disappointed in the way it's being managed. And that's the only thing. Now I'm just saying that because I've been in a lot of locker rooms Now I've never been on a team that's supposed to win a world series, but I've been in a ton of locker rooms and I've been on some locker rooms early in seasons who were the expectations were to win some baseball games, maybe not go to the world series and carry a trophy across the field, but it was about winning some games, more games than you were losing. And when you start losing and good players start pointing fingers, and I have no idea about this and, and nor should we know. We, we shouldn't know because good teams shouldn't let you know because behind closed doors should stay behind closed doors. But that would be the only thing for me that would change the mind of people running this team. And that and it gets back to Alex Cora having a good feel. <laughs> this is where your GM and your president have to have a really good feel what's going on and just the temperature of the room. It's funny hearing you talk. I, I, I asked Brian Burke one time, when do you know that it's time to fire a coach a great question and i wish i could the the one thing i remember brian saying is he was always on the lookout for what he called snipers and that was the phrase he used and it wasn't the only thing that went into the decision making process but when you start hearing people around the team when stuff gets back to you second and third hand that is being said by people around the team as the general manager when when people are taking kind of taking shots at your head coach or your or your manager you're kind of obli- you're you're obligated to at least sort of look into it to do a deeper dive and see what's up here. And again, it depends who's, you know, if it's the guy who's unhappy and, 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 and wants out of town, that's one thing, but I've got to think, you know, I, I've got to think if you're Ross Atkins, I mean, you've got to have, it's, you've got to have had some conversations with the guys who count in this team, like Bo and Vladdy and Springer and, and a guy whose voice, you know, I've been told a guy whose voice really, really matters in that, in that clubhouse is Ross Stripling, not just because he's the player rep. I've got to think, I've got to think that they've, that the antenna's up. Because, I mean, this, this team's what? They've lost nine of 10. They've lost to some, they've lost some bad games to bad baseball teams. Sure. Uh, coming from a guy that's been released a, a few times and released the last day of spring training, which is impossible to find a job till late in the season. I would never wish this on anybody. So you got to make sure that if you're doing this, you got to have your, your, your ducks in a row here to who's taken his place. And I mean, I would assume that would probably be John Snyder if that was to happen. And then you find out what you're going to do in the off season. And would that help? Is that the, is this the right move or is this, do you put the blame on the player? And, and I, I'm I'm not I'm probably not saying that that it's you know Charlie hasn't had his toe in a little bit of this, but is it but is he is is it, he's the reason why Vladdy's chasing pitches early in counts? No. Is, is you know is he the reason why the lineup's right-handed? Is he the reason why you you have to use Adam Simber for two innings? I I don't know. Like I so you just got to make sure that's what you again. This gets back to that feel thing, and you got to understand wh- where your team's at and and that they feel like you have their back. I guess that's a big thing, especially nowadays when it's a lot of young guys who matter the most on your team. When Jeff and I played and when you started covering baseball, it was the older guy. Mm -hmm. All the names that you mentioned are mostly young guys. 
So you got to, you got to, you know, and with it, when, and when what they say matter to you, you got to feel that too. Uh, I want to, Ben Wagner will join us. We should set the show for people, by the way. Ben Wagner joins us in a few minutes. 11 o'clock, Rob Thompson, manager of the Philadelphia Phillies, Canadian Baseball Hall of Famer. He will join us. 11.30, this is going to be a lot of fun. Ricky Tiedemann, Mm -hmm. uh, who is the Jays' top pitching prospect, and uh, he's with the Vancouver Canadians. He will be in the Futures game at All-Star Week, which is a, as I've often said, it, if I had my way, the Futures game would would be played anyhow. Home run derby's great, but I'd love to see the Futures game played primetime on, on Monday night somehow because it's just we spend so much time talking about prospects, and for a lot of baseball fans, it's the first time you see it. And 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 the dudes rise to the occasion. They try. Like it is a yeah, it is it ain't an exhibition game. No, for they're them. trying to show it off. is a big, big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh so anyhow, Ricky Tiedemann will uh join us. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, by the way, are going to be missing a whole bunch of player due to Canadian a bunch of players due to Canadian restrictions on unvaccinated travelers. Alec Bohm won't be here now. He dislocated a finger last night in the game, anyhow, so he uh, would not likely have played regardless. But J.T. Realmuto, who the Phillies gave a crap ton of money to to help get them to the playoffs, and they're tied, by the way, third place in the National League wild card. Right now, he won't be on this trip. Aaron Nola won't be on the trip. Kyle Gibson won't be on the trip. Uh, the Phillies are going to replace Real Muto with Rafael Marcan. They will use Andrew Andrew Bellati as an opener tonight. And uh, the, the Phillies are, will also bring up a replacement for Baum. Per MLB rules, this from Scott Lauber, who covers the Phillies, they can't replace Nola because he's not lined up the pitch in Toronto. They can replace Gibson for Wednesday's game because he is lined up the pitch. They can't replace Nola because he's not lined up in Toronto. So the Phillies are coming in. Canadian border restrictions very much a factor. And uh, this is what JT Real Muto had to say yesterday when he was asked by Philly writers about the situation. How do you feel about it, I guess? You know, like you know, some people say you're, you're letting your team down. Teammates have supported you, though. So, well, how do you feel about it? I mean, yeah, it's it's an extremely unfortunate situation. Um, obviously, my teammates know how I feel about them and, and um, how bad I want to be out there with them. But um, it's just unfortunate that I'm not able to make the trip. So what, what are your reservations with your I just, I mean, I'm a healthy 31-year-old professional athlete. Um, that I just didn't feel a need to get it. Um, I've had COVID a couple of times and super mild symptoms uh, back when it first came out. And when it came time to decide whether um, I needed a vaccine or not, uh, talked with a couple of doctors that I knew and told them my story and just really decided I didn't think I needed it. And I, I wasn't going to take it just because I was told to, basically. So mm-hmm. Even if it meant not missing? Because you're going to forfeit a good amount of salary. Yeah, but I mean, what's 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 money when I'm not going to let Canada tell me what I do and don't put in my body for a little bit of money? It's just it's not worth it. Yeah, that was JT Realmuto, uh, who I, I I'll tell you what he's honest. <laughs> I mean, he didn't. He owned it. He's, he he did own it. I I would say it's not really an extremely unfortunate situation, idiot, because you put yourself and your team in it. So I I I would not call it extremely unfortunate. It's a decision you made, um, and it's entirely on you. It's definitely not. It's, it's definitely not unfortunate. I mean, I that 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 is a wrong choice. This is a wrong choice of words. 
But, you know, as I, as, as I said all along with the vaccine, when it comes to players, all big boys, everybody's got the right to do what they want to do. And if you're willing to pay the consequences, if you're willing to be that guy in the clubhouse, then, you know, you're going to go I, ahead and for, do it. For I, me, he's, he's going to be lost more on the defensive side than he is the offensive side. I mean, he's, an, he's had an okay offensive year. Uh, he's a he's a catalyst on what they're trying to do defensively. Like he's he's the captain of the team when he's behind the plate, and I'm sure he'll be missed the two games behind the plate more than he would be offensively. I look, it's it's his decision. Uh, he's not in the American League East. If he's in the American League East, it's his job to get yeah. vaccinated and and be, be a part of his team and help his team win as many games as he he's possibly can. He's not. It's it's I don't agree with the decision. But I, it's not he's – he's like he said, he's a, what do you say, 31-year-old yeah, professional athlete. He can do what he wants to do. If he feels like he, he should not be out there as many games as he could possibly be out there because he's not getting his shot like the other teammates that he has are getting his shots, then that's his own decision, and he'll have to live with it. But I'm, I'm sure if you quietly ask players behind the scenes, they'll probably not have the same thoughts that he's having, especially ones that have gotten the shot and, and – yeah, doing the things that they have to do because they are a professional athlete, and that's what they are asked to do. It's, it's the, the, every job is different. I get what his his theories are and what his beliefs are, and he thinks he is a stronger human being than other people are because of the profession that he does. But he still has a profession that this is he does six months a year. You do you do you chose to do this, like and. This is just part of it, and that, that that's the part of it that I don't really understand when these guys come out and say this, is if you you decided to have this career. You know, nobody wants to go through COVID. And the nobody rules, wanted and to you know get what? a shot, but and we do because that's change. what we're supposed to do. Like it's, and the rules change, right? Every absolutely. job, the rules and expectations change. And if you're – if you take the job, it's like, you know, if if you take a job, you have to live with – the rules and and the expectations that fall on you and and I don't think anybody wanted to get it. No. Now where, where this is going to be going to be interesting is uh, you got the Kansas City Royals coming in town and Andrew Benintendi. Like I'm told from people in Kansas City that Andrew Benintendi earlier this year was not vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know if he's maybe he has, maybe he will, but that's a guy that. You've heard linked with the Blue Jays. That's a guy you've heard linked with the Yankees. And he's going to be a guy at the trade deadline that a lot of people are going to look at. And again, this is just what, what folks in Kansas City are saying. Well, well, no, it's like anything else. You know ultimately when the guy shows up or when he Kyle doesn't Gibson show up. Kyle Gibson, too, you, you mentioned was, was linked with the Blue Jays, too, and he's yep. not vaccinated. So that it is a topic of conversation, and it is something you have to worry about. And when you're in the American League East and you're crossing the border and your home games are in Canada – it, it is a make-or-break conversation, and if that player does not want to get it, then you have to move on quickly as you, as you can move on, I think. Yeah. Uh, so, again, the Phillies will be using an opener tonight. We Two guesses on what he throws. <laughs> Slider having he throws a four-samer. Righties, right, right, righties are hitting a buck 61. So, the, the Phillies have thought this out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Kevin Gossman, we cross our fingers. I just want him to be 100%. For the Blue Jays? Yeah, I... I That's all. Because if he gets hurt... I'm with you, you. You've seen the depth that they have. I'm with you. It's, 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 it's going to be a big challenge. Yeah, I'm... Um, so I hope he's 100% before he makes his next start. 
Yeah, I don't know how I feel about I am in the camp where I would just as soon not see Kevin Gossman again until coming out of the All-Star break because I just... Based on the way things have gone this year, Vladdy's had two gloves break. I don't want my, I don't want <laughs> Kevin Gossman's ankle breaking. I'll, I'll, I'll put it that way. Ben Wagner's our Blue Jays play-by-play voice on Sportsnet. He'll join us next. We've also got tickets to give away for Sunday, July 26th against the St. Louis Cardinals. That will be a terrific game. We'll give away those tickets in the next hour. Rob Thompson, Phillies manager, joins us. Ricky Tiedemann of the Vancouver Canadians as well. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, wherever you get your favorite podcasts and on TV on Sportsnet 360. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and Alish. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parker's come in playing the drums on that. Yes. We're usually happy. It is odd. Being around you consistently will make people unhappy. And it's a miracle that I've showed up today. That's the old In a good mood. I even tried to mix it up because I'm superstitious. I put my watch on the other. I usually wear it on my left. On my right today. Feels odd. Phillies and Jays. If I were hitting, I bet you I'd get two hits and a bloop single to right to win the game. Walk off my first one. Phillies and Jays opened a two-game series tonight at the Rogers Center. 7:07 first pitch. Yeah, there are well, times. There well, are I'm times. left-handed. I could play for this team, the Blue Jays. Do we have time? Do we have time to tell a Kevin Barker story? Do we have Ben no. Wagner with us right now? No Kevin Barker stories. No, I'm going to tell Ben. Ben, thanks for joining. Uh, oh. Thanks for joining Kevin and myself. I'm, gonna, I'm sorry, I'm gonna, Ben. No, I'm going to tell you this story because I think you will like it. I think you I will like it. it. No, 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 no. I, th- I think, I think you will like this story. Am I going to? This like is it? a Kevin Barker story. This is a Kevin Barker story, an untold oh. Kevin Barker story from oh. a, uh, from from a a well placed source in oh, no. in Bristol, Virginia. Uh oh. And it's <laughs> such a great story that I can't find it right now. How about that? Tim Hayes. Tim Hayes told me this story. A, uh, well, we'll have to. I'll, I'll tease it. I'll look Good for one. it. Good one. Oh, shut up. I mean, I'll are you kidding it. me? No, no, no. I'll, I'm, I'm sitting a, here right on the edge of my chair. chair. Okay. Oh, let's go. Oh, let's go right to the guest. Let's go to. Let's okay. go to. Uh, let, let, let's go to Ben. Hey, Ben, who gets to start tonight? That's a really good question, right? Uh, out of the weekend, everything kind of had been pointing towards Kevin Gosman to get the start after he threw that bullpen session in Seattle. But if he's not 100%, it doesn't sound like the Blue Jays are going to lean that way. I would imagine, I don't know for sure, but I would imagine that Jose Barrios is the guy that gets the start today. Ben, uh, okay, I'm going to come out swinging. I'm going to put, <laughs> okay. the, I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit. Should Charlie be worried about his job? I hear those rumblings. Um, I don't. I just don't think. Like why? Like, I, I. I don't think. I don't think he should. No, I'm not in that camp. I'm not in that camp. I don't think. I don't think the Blue Jays right now are a complete team. I know that they've hit offensively the skids at a very very bad time. It was not a very good road trip for the Toronto Blue Jays, but they also are not out of the heels of that homestand as well at the same time. Like, 
they know where they're deficient, right? They, they were exposed a little bit on the depth of the bullpen. They were taxed. They don't have enough insurance policies to jump in and fill spots in the rotation right now. Casey Lawrence, while he's serviceable, that is about as, as good as it's going to get. Thomas Hatch has been so inconsistent. Like, there's reasons why the Blue Jays have not been performing, and I don't believe that it comes from the guy in the manager's chair. That's the bottom line. Yeah, it's uh, Barker dropped the same question on me and said, do you think Charlie will still be managing this team at the end of the year? And, and I mean, I, I said, I said yes, just for, for the same reason. Uh, I, yeah. I don't, it, yeah. is, is Charlie a guy that takes this team to the World Series? I mean, I can't possibly answer that question. But uh, am I at the point where, and, and, you know, look, I have no problem saying that I think a manager should be fired or writing that a manager should be fired or that I think a manager will be fired I, I don't know. I, I mean, I just can't. I can't come out and say that right now because, like you, I'm I'm seeing the stuff that's coming out of the bullpen. And does a new manager make Vladdy? I mean, Vladdy hasn't had a walk. Vladdy hasn't had a walk since June 27th, I think. Does does a new yeah, manager like 13 kind games, 14 games, right? Yeah. Does a yeah. new manager sort of cure what's going on there? I, I don't know. No, I don't I, know. I, I, I'm I'm not in that camp, guys. I just I don't get the sense that he's lost the clubhouse when I'm around the team. Uh, I I certainly and you know I've got a what I feel is a really good relationship with Charlie Montoya at the same time, and I don't feel that um, you know he feels that he's lost the clubhouse or the trust or whatever circles around those kind of managerial decisions. And I think that you know he's executing game plans like. Like the big picture says that they should execute in-game game plans too. So uh, I think current managerial decisions that were made between the front offices and like Joe Madden's been fired, Joe Girardi is going to, you know, he was relieved of his duties. I think there, there's pushback on how game operations are done in those scenarios. Mm-hmm. I don't get the sense that there's a disconnect from the front office to the analytical people to the game planning people to the coaches then that are on the field to play and then the guy in the manager's chair that has to make those decisions is Charlie Montoyo obviously. He is the, the forward facing figure in all of this. I just don't get the sense that there's any disconnect in this scenario. So if all those things, and plus everything that we talked about, where the Blue Jays have been deficient and not performing at a maximum level, if all those things don't point towards a change, then how can you make a change? Barker brought up a, a has brought this point up a couple of times in in in, in the last the last week or so, and I hadn't really thought of it, frankly, until I I thought of it. But watching the Red Sox and the Rays play last night kind of got me thinking about it again. And of course, yeah, we remember that earlier in the year the Red Sox were scuffling, and Alex Cora moved around some of the big names in his lineup. Do you think we're at the point now where? Yeah, look, I understand. I, I, I don't, the whole Vladdy hitting second thing, I, don't, I sort of don't want to revisit that. But are we at the point now where, in the very least, Charlie or somebody should be considering doing something, and I hate using the phrase something in air quotes, but doing something to this lineup? Because I, I think it does need a shakeup. And if it's me, I'm putting Bo Bichette in the cleanup spot, and I'm figuring it out from there. Springer's obviously got a lead off. I'm putting Bo in the cleanup spot, and then I'm moving guys around. I, I don't know how you feel about it, Ben, but I, I've I sort of got to do – I have to do – if my GM isn't going to go out and get me something, I have to do something. Yes, I like the shakeup 
I also think if Danny Jansen comes back into this lineup, you know, that that's going to do some things too automatically, mm -hmm. right? Uh, it's going to get Alejandro Kirk more DHing opportunities. That's a really nice bat. I don't mind him in the number four, but I like Bo in that number four spot at the same time. I think the lineup will get deeper with Jano coming back, and that's that's going to allow the Blue Jays to do some things a little bit more creative in this lineup as well. So, uh, you know, do you go into this series against the Philadelphia Phillies on a bullpen day and really blow it up? Mm. I don't know that today is the day. That's true. To do that, uh, Zach Wheeler's been really, really good. Mm -hmm. uh, he gets the ball tomorrow, and maybe you let him kind of come out of this off day and a really grueling stretch of baseball see what see what comes to this and then if you can't get it going into the all-star break that's the reset that the blue jays desperately need anyway yeah that's a good um, yeah that's a good some point. people would say if not now when i mean it was you know, present is is just as good a time as, as any but let me ask you uh, on a positive note gabriel marino has shown you some things i would think danny jansen coming back soon he'll probably be the guy that can sit down yeah what do you think once he goes down one part of his game that he probably should need to work on the most so that when he does come back, he shows them so much that they, they can't afford to send him back down. I, I think the pitch framing is a big thing um, right now with how he's handling the pitching staff. I, I think the pitch framing is still where he needs to grow behind the plate. You know, he's got good athleticism. He's very sturdy back there. He's a, he's calm when he sits behind the plate. I'm not saying, you know, he, he looks erratic or anything like that. But on the receiving side of things, I think that's another step where he can grow. I don't think there's much concern about the bat. And I've asked Blue Jay coaches on the field about, you know, it's an unorthodox approach. Coach, right mm -hmm. but the fact that he can get the barrel on the baseball consistently and he's done it at the major league level there's not a lot of concern there now he wasn't as hot you know as when he first arrived but the book got a little bit thicker and that pitching in seattle was pretty tough too um I, th I think that there there is just some fine-tuning, and you can round some of the edges with Gabby, but I think it starts mostly defensively and, and behind the plate with him. That's, that's the next step where he can continue to grow and the game calling as well. We're going to be joined by Ricky Tiedemann later on in the show. He's a, a guy who Ooh. has rocketed up the Jays' prospect uh, rankings, not just the Jays' prospect rings, but you're hearing a lot of him around baseball. He's pitching in the Futures game. What can you tell us about Ricky Tiedemann? What does your organization think of him? And, and, and Ben, I'll admit, I, I have not done a deep dive into him, so I, I don't know what his ETA would be with this team. Now, he is uh, young, right? He's 19 and change, so we're not talking a 25-year-old dude. Yeah, very young. Uh, and just kind of on the cusp of getting his feet wet in professional baseball, let alone uh, conversations around him about, you know, jumping into the major leagues. I, I, think, I think there's a lot... You know, a couple of years of seasoning at least. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I can tell you this. When I went to minor league spring training and being in Florida in the offseason, you know, I get, I, it's a short little drive over. So I got to be around the minor league camp. Any day that Ricky Tiedemann threw a baseball, that was the buzz of camp that day. If it was live BP, if it was a sim game, whatever it was, I have not been around the Blue Jays with an individual pitcher creating so much buzz in the minor league camp as to what Ricky Tiedemann has done in my five years. Wow. That's, and that's saying something. And, and this is this ripple effect about the excitement of Ricky Tiedemann and what he could be for the Toronto Blue Jays. It's, it's beyond people 
on the minor league side and player development. It's beyond the coaches. It it goes from the top all the way down. He's a big dude. That's, He's a big yeah. dude, right? He's six four six four two twenty left hander. Uh, how does he? I'm not going to compare him. Yeah, I am. I'm going to ask a, a, compare him to Alec Manoa. I know Manoa is a right hander, and and obviously Manoa is farther advanced than Tiedemann. But in terms of stuff, in terms of makeup, what are people saying about him? Because he does he's appear electric. to he does appear to he's not afraid of the spotlight. Let's put it that way. No, 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 no. He's not afraid of the spotlight. You, you know, he's had a lot of hype and focus on him going into the draft being there and trying to decide whether or not he's going to go to a four-year school uh, juco route you know how to improve his draft stock through high school like all that stuff has been swirling around ricky tiedemann but i mean he's he's matured through that at the same time right so when people talk about ricky tiedemann and what he possesses in alec manoa there is a presence about him he's a big guy he's tall he's got the big wide shoulders he looks like something on the mound that is going to generate a lot of power and he Mm -hmm. does that he generates a ton of power and you talk to the scouts you talk to the people that have watched him in in the minor leagues and on the backfields i mean electric eye-popping stuff is what they what they walk away and now it's just uh, to continue the pedigree and uh get excited about this this next wave of prospect pitching coming up through the ranks ben, ben you think they'd rush him you know he went from the the where he was at with golden west college and throwing 93 to now he's pitching at more 96 you know when i think of that in a 19 year old you don't want to waste the bullets they always say that don't don't waste a guy's bullets if he can if he can somewhat throw an 00 secondary pitch which he's got a good change up to sliders of work in progress if he yep. throws that hard why wouldn't you think they'd rush him? Now, I know they've moved him up a little quicker probably than they maybe sh- – yeah, I don't want to say should have, but you can tell they, their expectations with him are maybe a little rushed, and I think it might be because of the velocity. I think the velocity factors into it. You know, he's got some periphery stuff that make the Blue Jays really, really excited. And that fastball changeup combination is something that we saw, and I watched a lot of those side sessions with him, and the, the slider has to continue to develop. Absolutely, no doubt about that. I think it's the challenge, right? The challenge is, okay, you've succeeded at this level. Your power stuff, we've seen the increase in velocity. It's now played on a couple of different levels. I like the Blue Jays where they're at in challenging players to succeed at the next level. And then if then you can back off, right? I, I don't get the sense that Ricky is going to be one of those guys that this is your two or three. You're going to be in double A all year. You're going to be in triple A the next year. It's not rung by rung. If there is domination level by level, similar to what they did with Alec Manoa. And remember, Alec Manoa kind of fell into the Blue Jays rotation because they had the need in New York. And then that guy hasn't looked back. He sees the opportunity and just shot out of the cannon. And now he's going to the all-star game. I think Ricky Tiedemann is, is going to fall in that line, is if there is a need at the Blue Jays level, not this year, but I'm saying in the future, right? Mm-hmm. But you can challenge him. You can move him up the ladder in the minor leagues. And if, if he never stops dominating level by level, then why leave him sit? And you reference why waste the bullets? Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. You know, why, why let it sit in double A for too much time if you're dominating double A? There you go. Yeah. Ben, really good of you to do this, man. Let go. See you down at the yard. All right, see you guys there. Please. See you. Bye. Ben Wagner, Blue Jays radio play-by-play voice on Sportsnet. 707 first pitch tonight. <clears throat> so I found the story, the Barker story. Mm. 
Uh, Tim Hayes, who uh, works at the uh, Bristol Herald Courier. Friend of the family. Friend of the family. Friend of the show. A good man. Very good man. Um, kind of the go-to guy. Absolutely. For Barker history. Not for me. Well, for you. Yeah. So uh, Gavin Cross is from Bristol, the mm -hmm. Tennessee tide of, side of Bristol. Mm -hmm. And uh, he went to Virginia Tech. He's expected to be drafted in the first round on Sunday. We've talked about Gavin Eighth Cross. Eighth yeah. That's what this is. Uh, Tim Hayes said, I talked to Barker this weekend about them, and they both have a lot of similarities, uh, and a ton of similarities, including any from the left side. Nearly. Absolutely. So <clears throat> Tim Hayes said, I was working on a story and ended up talking to John Hand, one of Barker's teammates mm -hmm. from Virginia Tech, and he mm -hmm. shared this anecdote. So John Hand says, I do remember pitching against Chris Benson at Clemson in 96. I forget how many he struck out, but I pitched really well and we still lost. I screamed at the guys in the dugout, hey, don't be afraid to mix in a base runner and give me some time to rest. Barker walks up to me, points out at Benson and says in his Southwest Virginia drawl, guy's good. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, there. You go. So that the, the the leadership being exercised in the Virginia Tech dugout I'm by Kevin Barker. I'm surprised I took that that well. That a pitcher would come in a in a dugout and yell that. I'm sure if he caught me a couple of years later, that conversation would have probably went a little. Was different. John? Were you were you a senior then? Like we're not a senior, but Benson, were you yeah, older nine, than him? Nine, nine, ninety six. Ninety six. I was a junior. Okay. Yeah, Chris Benson, I think, was the number one pick overall, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. out of Clemson. Yeah, he's, he was a good pitcher. Like, we were, you know, we, we were the little engine that could, and Clemson was the big bad boys on the block, the bully. Yeah. And, and Where did Sean Han end up? He, did he end up pitching in, uh, did he end up with the Rockies? Am I thinking of somebody else? Mm. I'm thinking of somebody else, maybe. I'm going to Google it. But, yeah, I was, yeah, no, he said, we got you got to tell a story, because that's like, that's kind of, you know, that, the that bark, is bark, Barker in the dugout. Barker mm -hmm. in the dugout. And I sure. can see you doing that. Yeah, you know, the guy's pretty good out there. Yeah. Did you get a bat and go up there and try something? That's, that's, that's interesting. That, that, that was the nice me. When would you... Yeah. I know, I know how you feel about chemistry and all that stuff. Um, but when no, you... No, kidding. No, no, no. no, 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 don't, no. Say, don't say it the wrong way. Right. I, I believe in chemistry... And I think good players and playing well on a baseball Great field that's, is, is that's that's what chemistry and, I stand and leadership and being a good teammate's all about. Being buddy buddy and having twenty four other friends in a locker room that for me is not the definition okay. of, of a good teammate. I'm I sorry. stand corrected. I stand corrected. Wrong choice of words. Can you look in a dugout now? You, Kevin mm -hmm, Barker, mm -hmm. having God knows how many days. Your life have been spent sitting in dugouts and on the field. Can you look into a dugout like the rest of us think we can? Look at a dugout and go, God, that team just the body language is just you know like there's just. Ugh. Can you do that? Can you look at a dugout and go, no, there's something going on there, because we all like doing that. Or do you think it's a lot more complicated than that? I think it's very individual. So it's all about how that player's doing. You know, we, we had uh, we had the 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 conversation a lot with JD 
when JD was here playing third base. Maybe he, the wrong guy he, to have the conversation well, no, it's more, with. Well, it's more now I understood what he was what he right. was selling because I can understand a lot more than most people can all the stuff that he would talk about and the approach that he would have at the plate. Now a lot of it was, yeah, he's speaking a different language, but the, the all the all end result was basically the same. It's just how you get to that result was a little bit different for him. But you could tell he's real moody when he's doing bad. He was real happy and go lucky when he was doing when he was doing good. That that was the difference. He's an alpha male. Alpha males are to- totally different. Bo Bichette's an alpha male. You, there's no question when he's denying the jacket. You know how he's doing and how he feels his teammates or, or his team, the losing, he don't like it. That's why I said a long time ago, he's a lunch pail guy. A lot of that is determined on you know, I'm working this hard. Everybody else should be doing the exact same thing I'm doing because we're three games above 500 when we should be 15 games above 500. That's how he feels, right? He's a lead-by-example guy. And the the worse his team's doing, the harder he wants to work, even if he is working as hard as he can work. So you can tell individually on how certain guys feel about the way their team is doing, where they think their team should be. And then there's some selfish dudes. And we all know who the selfish dudes are. I don't need to say it out loud. Like, you can tell the obvious guys. And I'm not going to say those names out loud because that's not fair. Because I haven't been in a, in a clubhouse in a locker room in forever. But you can tell those obvious guys. Okay, that's, that's what I meant. You, you, who are in it for themselves. That, that, that a, you know, when, when a team's struggling, the guy in front of you just hit a double and he's trying to f- pull the first pitch. You can tell those those dudes are selfish. They're doing it for themselves. And all a, a fan of sports can be watching. Doesn't take a guy like me that can break things down to the nth degree to tell you that who those guys. I are. guess you what I was getting guys. at. I guess what I was getting at is is how much of the stuff that goes on in the dugout. Yeah. How much tension is there usually in a dugout? A lot, and a lot of that depends depends on like Vladdy's not having Vladdy year. Right. I'm sure, I'm sure there's some tension around Does that. Does the manager control Vlad, sort of Vladdy's, the temperature of the dugout? Vladdy sent gloves back to manufacturers and used different models of that glove because that glove's not working. There's a lot of tension around that. That's what I said. Now he's thinking about if I catch a ball in a certain part of a glove. I'm making that up. I've been there. I know how it is. I know how it feels to mess up a big situation for your buddy and it not work out and you look like you're on you feel like you're on an island by yourself. And now you're searching for things. Vladdy's been searching all year. Vladdy's got the numbers Vladdy's got because he's a really good hitter. So hasn't had a good year for me. Could have a much better year. So there's a, baseball is a is a team sport. And at the end of the year, your 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 record says what you are. But it is a very individual sport, and you're going to go through peaks and valleys all season. It's how you handle those. John Olerud's of the world don't come around every day who look like they're. When they're sixty for sixty, if they're zero for sixty, they look the same. It's not the, those those human beings only come around once in a blue moon, and then there's everybody else. And I just think you know the Blue Jays are learning these things on the fly. A lot of the people that matter for the Blue Jays have never really struggled at this level, and then they, on top of it, had the expectations from a country, not from a city. From a country to carry a trophy across the field, man, I I don't want to make excuses, but it's it's a lot. It's a it's a lot of pressure for these young guys to carry organizations. Rob Thompson is the manager of the Philadelphia Phillies, Canadian-born guy. He'll join us next. It's Blair and Barker on five ninety three sixty. Wherever you get your favorite podcast.